This is Customer Experience Leaders, a podcast produced by Rated. It's a show where we reveal the secrets of how great brands delight their customers. The great thing about Service Blueprints is that it mixes digital and non-digital together really nicely because at the end of the day, it is your frontline staff or channels that will interact with customers along the way. That's the voice of Janine Pawson. She's a senior customer experience design lead at NBN Australia. I'm your host, Adam Jaffrey. Hey there, I'm Michael Momsen. So, Michael, today we're speaking to Janine, and she's had an incredible career at a number of agencies, as well as at Australia's National Broadband Network. But today, we're speaking to her about service blueprints. Service blueprints? What the heck are they? Well, that's what we're going to go into. <laughs> what the hell is a service blueprint? Why you should care about it? And how to get started making one? Now, this is really great. I mean, I had a high-level view of service blueprints. But coming away from this discussion, uh, not only did I get excited about building my own service blueprints, but I realized that this is useful for all businesses' shapes and sizes and all teams' shapes and sizes. Absolutely. And look, service blueprints are inherently a visual medium. So, Mm. to assist with the complexities of explaining it, we've put a link in the show notes of this episode to some great examples to help. Maybe before or while you're listening, head to customerexperienceleaders.com where you can click the links and, uh, and, and follow along. So, we started the show by asking, what is a service blueprint? A service blueprint is a visual planning tool that shows where all of the interactions take place between you and your customers through any channel. When you hear about customer experience, you hear a lot about customer journeys and journey maps, but a blueprint is something else. So, the key thing I just want to highlight up front is that a journey map, really a good journey map, customer journey, is based on research. So, you will have gone out into the field and you would have actually had a discussion with your customers and potentially your clients to uh, better understand how the journey is folding out for your customers. Now, a service blueprint is quite different. A service Blueprint is an end-to-end view of all the interactions that your customers are going to have as they experience a product and or service experience. So, the key to a service blueprint is that it includes all of that information around what enables that interaction to take place. So, it would ask you to put down all of the evidence of that interaction. So, what is what is the proof of that interaction? Is it a conversation? Is it a phone call? Is it a click? All of the frontline staff um, behaviors and or actions. So, what would your call center uh, staff members be saying? What is this kind of script, but not the total details of the script or the in-store interaction be? And then all of that supporting processes, systems, departments, or even infrastructure that supports that all to happen. And it essentially helps you understand the flow of the interactions as well. So, kind of where your handoffs might be between different departments as well. So, where, say, for example, marketing and advertising has a really big uh, role to play up front, then the handoff goes into perhaps those departments of operations that enable the actual in-store interaction or the online interaction to happen. Okay, great. So, what does this actually look like visually? Can you describe what a service blueprint looks like? Sure. I'll give it a good 
crack. So it's horizontal document. Uh, it can be in digital form or on a whiteboard or on a, just a piece of paper. And like with any good document, it's got a title, what it is that you're actually looking at at the top left-hand corner. Um, usually you might date when the actual document was made. So people have got a reference as to when in time this document is actually reflecting the, the product or service. And then it, you will have your stages of the journey below that um, going from left to right. So from uh, awareness through to post-sale service. Then on the uh, left-hand side, from top to bottom, you have all the players. So all the all of the aspects of your product or service that may be interacting with the customer. And at the very, very top of the player's kind of swim lanes is your customer. So your customer is very much a part of what it is that you're trying to do because obviously you're trying to deliver something and make money and all that kind of stuff. And then you have kind of a, a thicker line that's kind of defining where the front stage has ended and where the backstage starts. And below that, that thicker line are all the backstage swim lanes. So you could have your delivery partners who might send stuff through the mail. You can have your operation center. You can kind of get a bit creative with it. It, it sounds like this is the biggest document in the history of humankind. <laughs> <laughs> Well, the ones that I have made have been around three to ten meters long. That can be a wait, 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 meters. Yes, yes. <laughs> you don't. It's so big. You don't measure it in pages. You measure it in meters. Yes. <laughs> I was thinking pages there. But this is but this this is a pro and a con. So it's a pro for workshops because you'd have a massive document for the whole room to really zone in on and focus and walk through. But the con is that it's huge in file size when you're creating it digitally and it can become quite cumbersome to put together. So you've got to usually have a master of your service blueprints, but you don't have to update them very often because they're fairly timeless documents. So let's maybe talk through an example to help demonstrate, you know, how this works. And we can use a really basic one so that it's really simple. Could you take us through an example? A retail example is possibly easier to understand uh, just because you can familiarize yourself with like a brand like um, Country Roads. So you don't need to stress yourself out with having to plot out every single interaction. If you want to focus on a small segment or a specific part of your business, that's okay as well. So the example that I'll give is a weekend promotion for Country Road where you spend $150, you get $50 off. So what you might have at the start of your blueprint is perhaps a frontline interaction where an email or a text message, I'm not sure how they do it specifically, goes out to customers who have signed up through a loyalty program. Now, if you're sitting in a session and you're mapping this out, you then start asking the questions, okay, so how do we have a loyalty program? So then you'd draw a line down to a backstage swim lane that might have, say, for example, customer database and how that might be calling on that customer database to send that out. And then emails are opened there might be clicks through to a, a online website. And so then you also, again, would have the backstage 
uh, link of, okay, so how does even the website get managed? Who's putting the stuff into it? What needs to take place? There'll be perhaps the pricing team, the merchandise team, all of those teams working together in the back end to put forward the information on the website, which is publicly facing. And then your customer may decide, okay, I'm totally aware of this now. I might actually go and check it out in store because I'm going to be at the mall this weekend. So they will probably approach the store and then it becomes, okay, what kind of frontline interactions will the actual retail staff be having with that customer? Would you actually push your staff to really tell a lot of customers in store about the promotion or would you just have posters? So do you just think about, okay, what would the communication channels be in that actual physical location? And again, so if you're going to have posters, then you're going to have to sort that out backstage. If you're going to have actual conversations with customers, then your staff need to be debriefed by the team managers. The team managers have to be told by HQ. So it just organizes everything into place. And it also helps you go, oh, hang on a minute. What am I missing? It helps you put your shopping list together of what you're going to need for this to all happen. And it also gives you a chance to go, oh, what else could we do to delight the customer? So the sale might have happened, they've gone home or they bought the, the goods online and you've got to think about, okay, so do I want the same experience for someone who's received that experience online as they would have in store? So is there stuff that you put inside the packaging? And again, everything that will support that to happen. So this is really useful. There's a couple of uh, phrases that you use there, Janine, that feel quite familiar. And I think it's because we hear a lot about customer journeys. So can I just take a, a quick moment here to ask, how is a service blueprint different from a customer journey? So I think the segue really is that the customer journey really and truly needs to be based on research. So I can use the service blueprint to plan how my product or service is going to be experienced and I can use it to also assess how I think the experience is being delivered and interacted with. But then I would actually follow that up with actually going out there and doing the research and finding out what are people actually thinking and feeling and doing when they go on that journey. So, welcome to the quickfire round where we ask you game show style questions to get to the bottom <laughs> of who you are as a person and learn about what motivates you. So, are you ready for the challenge? Hit me. All right. Your time starts at the end of the first question. First question. Janine, if you were a vegetable, what vegetable would you be? Kumara, which is the New Zealand way of saying sweet potato. Oh, I like it. <laughs> what company has wowed you recently? Oh, wowed me, wowed me. Wowed is tough, especially when you're in CX. Um, it's so true. I, I probably Air New Zealand. Mm, good answer. Janine, what are your favourite podcasts? No such thing as a fish and customer experience leaders. Oh, damn. <laughs> good answer. Love it. Uh, what's the craziest thing you've ever done? I've done a lot of crazy things. Um, I, I quit my job in New Zealand and flew out to Seattle 
to join my then fiance who was studying his master's and didn't know what I was going to be doing while I was over there and just hoped for the best. Very good. <laughs> that's, uh, that's pretty crazy. What brand do you look to as an example of great customer experience? I'm trying to... Th- uh, I was chatting to Energy Australia yesterday. Um, I, I would say the utility companies at the moment, so your water companies, your gas companies, um, they're doing pretty good in terms of being responsive around um, and being good around customer service. What skill are you terrible at? I don't know if it's a skill. Patience? <laughs> <laughs> I, think it, I think it is a skill because it can be, it can be learned. <laughs> but you're terrible at it. <laughs> yeah, I, I like to go like just go 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 so um being able to experience good patience recently and um especially when you're starting out a family makes you very patient i think it's a a very good skill to have because i think it opens up your the opportunity to listen better janine what's rocking your world this year (laughs) my baby We might hear some uh, some guest appearances from young three-month-old Sophie in the background throughout this episode, I think. <laughs> um, where do you go to upskill, whether it be books, YouTube, podcasts? I try to go to actual events to actually meet people. I'm a hands-on kind of experiential learner, so I guess I feed off other people's energy. So I like going to workshops or... Um, meetups, yeah. And then final question, what's your guilty pleasure? <laughs> guilty pleasure? It actually would be, at the moment, uh, brie on freshly made sourdough. I just can gobble that stuff up. I love it. It's so good. <laughs> I don't know how healthy it is for you. <laughs> <laughs> I love that question when people kind of have a bit of a giggle before they answer you know it's going to be <laughs> you know it's going to be good let's maybe jump into the how and the why like how do you actually build one of these what's the process of doing it yeah how long would it take and also is it best as an internal project or external agencies coming in and interviewing lots of people and then going you don't interview that is my first tip mm. so you get, this is how I, I saw the best, the quickest way of doing it. I got brown butcher paper and a Sharpie and I started out by plotting the main things that I knew as a CX designer for the product that we were producing and I got someone from operations in, I got someone from marketing and comms, I got someone from legal, from finance, and I said, right, you are the key stakeholders who have been involved in the design and the product development, and I need you to help me understand how this is going to be delivered from A to B. So hit me and I will sketch the other way that you can do it is you can get people to from their different departments with post-its, just write down what it is that happens and just stick it up where it happens along the journey as well. So you get people in a room, you roll up your sleeves and you just, you know, get down and dirty. And then you produce the first 
draft of it, obviously, in your nice, shiny, branded template with your cute little icons and your characters that represent the customers and your frontline staff. And you go back to those same stakeholders and you go, this is what I captured. Is this correct? And quite often what you'll see is that, say, for example, marketing and communications will assume, will have assumed that a certain thing will have happened by operations, but actually it was the other way around. So Marcoms came first and then came operations. By getting those people in the room, it challenges a lot of the assumptions that they make about each other as well. So I get them to double check it. I'll do an endorsement, an official endorsement, and I will then version that blueprint as being endorsed. So you've got to have a good management system to catalog the blueprints. And then I'll publish them on our intranet or send them out to our big stakeholders who are interested. And then on a quarterly basis, I check in with those same stakeholders or the product managers to see have there been any changes to this and then that gets updated and republished. So only on a quarterly basis do I change them as well. This is great, Janine. I think I can immediately start to see the value of, you know, why these documents and artifacts exist. You know, in your example, you just gave, you know, different stakeholders from different departments have different views on how things happen. And so, it's really important to get to the bottom of how it's really happening. I want to get an idea of how long one of these takes to put together, you know, maybe not just for a big organization, but how would like a mid-sized company put this together and how long would that take them to do it? I think that if you had everyone in the room on Monday morning you and you're a good design specialist who's got everything ready to go, you could probably have it have the first draft published by Thursday or Friday of the same week. Wow. So regardless of organization size, it's more having all the right people in the room who could who could fill in all those boxes for you and then an excellent facilitator within a workshop or two could hash it out and maybe go back, ask a bunch of questions, but then a draft within a week. Yep. As long as your stakeholders are also engaged because sometimes getting feedback can take a little bit of time, but you get into a rhythm. So when we first produced them, it was just like, oh, let's see if this helps. And we saw it helped massively because there were some huge assumptions that had been made and we clarified quite a bit. And then the following updates took a couple of days because they were just, you know, you're going to the design file. It's there. You just make sure that you, you know, save as new version, boom, and get them to endorse it. So you get into a rhythm. And no doubt you're probably having to control tangents and like political warfare and you know someone bringing up an area where it exposes a gap and you just want to move on and then you know there's strong personalities that no doubt want to have a chat about that missing box or whatever it may be um so on that point is it better for it to be done externally um with a professional or if someone's got the chops is it maybe done best internally because you're more aware of the political landscape and the players You could go either way, to be honest. If you have an external agency come in, then, you know, they can help facilitate without bias. But I think internally we'll just help much more from a continuous 
management of them. I think you could probably use them more if you're designing for the future with an external agency because they can really push the thinking perhaps a little bit more because sometimes when we are just internally focused, we can get, you know, a little bit comfortable. We're like, oh, you know, no one asks the question, if I designed this, would I get fired? (laughs) Knowing how your service gets produced is really essential to address the breakdowns and the pain points and then you can go on to improve the service or product offering. The great thing about Service Blueprints is that it mixes digital and non-digital together really nicely because at the end of the day, it is the front stage, your frontline staff or channels that will interact with customers along the way and it's a great way to pick up, okay, so now I understand why when people call us, they're really, really pissed off because the previous touch point failed on the digital platform. The service blueprints are also really, really good to coordinate complexity. So when you're in a really big organization and there's silos and there's just really complex ways of processes and systems working together, the service blueprints can kind of be the nice cherry on the top that just brings a bit of calm. I can totally see the value of a large enterprise. Like this blueprint is just pure gold. I'm interested in what about a small, medium business? Have you ever done these for a small, and let's maybe define small, medium business being five to 200 employees. Do these get created for small, medium businesses? You know, have you seen it get done? Is it as equal value there as well? I think that there is because there's still going to be an element of massive assumptions being made about how a product or service is delivered. But the thing is with a small to medium business, I think you would use it more as your design tool to create your next kind of product variation. So if you're trying to innovate or trying to expand your product line, you could definitely take what you've got and then go, okay, so where and how are we going to change or expand on this and what's our shopping list to get it done i think that would be a really quick and cost effective way for you to quickly identify okay so given that we have to be really lean or given that we've got restrictions on how we can deliver the product like we can't go into retail how can we envision this to look and then a service blueprint would be a very quick way of basically doing your first rough prototype and it You know, it's just paper and pen and maybe a designer to make it look pretty. So, this has been super informative and like, I didn't know that this document even existed before we started having a discussion about it and the amount of value that there is, is unfathomable. You mentioned something really early on in our conversation, Janine, about, you know, pros and cons of producing these documents. And so, I just wanted to kind of finish up on what are the pros and cons of Service Blueprints? The pros of any CX design artifact, you know, my buzzword at the moment is that it's visual. So it's very quick to digest because of its visual form. Um, It's quick to grasp concepts and flows. It 
really prioritizes customer interactions and it also asks you to provide evidence of that interaction as well. So a little feature of the blueprint, you don't have to include it, is that you you might include what is the evidence of this? Is it a script? Is it, is it a phone conversation? Is it a SMS or something like that? It's easy to use in workshops because it can be very present. <laughs> uh, it's a great foundation tool if you just wanted to really understand, okay, what what is going on here? How does it all work without emotion? Uh, it clarifies those internal assumptions. It's really flexible and you can do it for different customers. So that last point is that if you have internal customers, you can map it out for those internal customers or you can have it for different customer groups. So if you have customer segments that are, for example, overseas versus local, you could have different blueprints for those as well. Cons, it can get really big and really long. Some people find the front stage and backstage a little bit difficult to grasp, but it just takes practice. And to be honest, I've been doing it in a wholesale environment the retail environment would be so much easier. Backstage can be difficult to keep high level and void of like getting into a process decision point flow. It's people do have a tendency to put too much detail in the backstage. So always keep it high level. It's predominantly sunny day. So rainy days can be difficult to do, but they can also be very easy for your stakeholders in a workshop to jump onto. So they'll be like, oh, but what if this went wrong? And you're like, later, later. (laughs) When you say rainy day, you mean like one department drops the ball, but they really should be doing it. So you kind of put it there, but um, what have you. Yeah. or, Or if an interaction doesn't take place, how do they get back into a positive experience? And the last thing is that it really, it's not a journey map because a journey map includes emotion. Are there any resources you can recommend for people to learn more about this topic and more about this artifact? This book, Mapping Experiences by Jim Kalbach, is awesome. It's very, 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 very good. It's been my go-to. A lot of varies. (laughs) Lots of varies. It just talks about diagramming which I've kind of alluded to as being artifacts, you know, just visual representations of how something might be experienced. So it's really my go-to. You know what I think one of the biggest takeaways that I've had from this discussion is not just like the value of creating a service blueprint, the document itself, but is actually the kind of first steps that you can do with that, which is just get started. You know, you you said it before, grab some butcher's paper, some sticky notes and some Sharpies and just give it a go because the learning experience of doing it is actually where the value is, not in the document itself. So, Janine, thank you for coming on the show. My pleasure. So, Adam, another great show. It was fantastic. Yeah, one of of the things that I really liked is us doing a bit of a deep dive on one topic and Service Blueprint had always been one of those things that I knew at a high level, but really enjoyed unpacking this one. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, it it is a difficult thing to explain in a audio fashion. So, (laughs) (laughs) that's true, actually. um, Just a reminder, you know, we will put uh, some links to visual examples of this in the episode show notes. So, um, yeah, tap the link on your screen now or head to customerexperienceleaders.com. Well, let's, uh, let's go through some takeaways. Maybe let me start because the first takeaway that I have it's the first time I've got a takeaway that's from the quickfire round, actually. 
<laughs> but this takeaway actually really struck me because she said, where do you learn best? And she said, from in-person workshops. And I absorb content more than the average, <laughs> more than the average person. You know, I obsessively uh, listen to a lot of both podcasts and audiobooks, and you know, I'm smashing through books on my Kindle. Uh, you know, I've got YouTube playlists going on. There's a whole whole bunch of stuff that I absorb a lot of content. But I was actually just in an in-person workshop the other week, and it's a different type of learning, and I really, really, really enjoyed it. And I thought it was really good to have that as a reminder, especially for something as hands-on like this in terms of service blueprints. So I think it's a good reminder for all of us uh, to remember to attend in-person workshops where possible. So one of my takeaways from this discussion was, um, you know, when we were talking about how to build and and how to create service blueprints, Janine quite vehemently said, you don't interview people. And it was quite interesting. And so, really, the takeaway there was, you know, uh, she said you should sit down uh, and invite people to co-create this with you to participate in the process of actually building out this thing and you know she went on to give some examples of tools that you might use and and, you know these aren't tools that we might expect they're things that are pretty primitive like butcher's paper and sharpies and post-it notes but it kind of makes it fun and so you know rather than trying to get people to give you this high level perfect example of what Uh, is happening within their department from an interview, actually getting them to participate and co-create. One, gets buy-in, but two, actually just gets a better result. The other thing that really stood out to me is actually how relatively easy it is. I kind of got blown away when she said this could be done in less than a week. And uh, even when I was trying to probe her for software tools and apps, it's actually just like paper and pen, uh, all the right people, map it out. And I also loved how it wasn't just about processes, but it was the holistic view and specifically also the holistic view for future programs, uh, future processes and future products. So yeah, in in short, just how relatively easy it is, uh, you can get started straight away. So the fourth takeaway, and one that I really love is, uh, is that you should display information visually. A service blueprint in essence is a great example of that. But even within it, Janine was talking about using things like iconography and different colors and arrows and shorthand and, and little notes to extra resources and that kind of thing. I think sometimes we get quite caught up in our kind of corporate vernacular and, and have these process documents and all this kind of stuff that nobody wants to read. And so, when something's visual and particularly when it's visual and tangible and it's up on a wall, it's quick to digest, it's easy, it's kind of fun and it's interesting. So, yeah, display information visually. That's really good. And the, the last takeaway that I had is that, to be honest, I had kind of underestimated their usefulness. I, I sort of knew about service blueprints and I knew that it was an important exercise, but I sort of saw it more as something that a very large organization needs to do. But what I really came away from at the end of this interview is just how awesome a tool it is to spot gaps and checking assumptions, even in a small team. And it's really awesome to build internal empathy because it gives you that visual end-to-end view both from inside out, which we're most familiar with, but it really gives you that visual view of the outside in as well. So, let's uh, let's sum up the takeaways. Yeah, so the first one was don't underestimate learning from in-person workshops. The second was don't interview people, but instead involve them in the process of co-creating. The third one is it's easy. You don't have to be an expert in this. Just get a lot of paper and a pen and start mapping it all out. The fourth was, wherever possible, display information visually. And lastly, it's an awesome tool to spot gaps and build internal empathy around the customer experience. 
Awesome. Great show. Can I throw a, a bit of a challenge out to the customer experience leaders listeners? Mm. I want them to have a crack at creating a service blueprint and send it in to, uh, to us at the show because, you know, it's not that hard to create. You may not need to even go through the whole process of mapping out the whole internal network of the organization, but maybe just take one stream of work and spend a couple of hours on it. And we won't share it publicly because obviously it's their internal processes, but we'd love to give shout outs and maybe, I don't know, maybe we can come up with a nice surprise for the best uh, map that we see. So, the challenge is out there send through your service blueprint the best way is to send it to adam or i via a direct message on linkedin so we look forward to seeing what you can come up with speak to you next time thanks see ya thanks for listening customer experience letters is produced by rate it the market leader in on-the-spot customer feedback. If you're not getting good results from mystery shoppers or are sick of sending annoying surveys to your customers, the team at Rateit have some really innovative ways for you to get feedback from your customers to help build delightful experiences for them. To find out more, head to rateitapp.com. That's R-A-T-E-I-T-A-P-P.com. This podcast is created in partnership with Wavelength Creative. It was produced by me and Christopher Lawson, who also edited and mixed the show. Our theme music is by Icolix, Peter Cooley, and The Shrugs. Just a reminder to reach out to Michael or myself on LinkedIn. We love hearing from all of the Customer Experience Leaders fans, and we read and respond to every single note that you send us. Until next time, I'm Adam Jaffrey. Thanks for listening. <laughs>